Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC 241 was this past weekend. It was billed as a mega event in my God did it deliver. The top three fights of the night were absolutely insane. We'll be breaking down all all that happened during our Fastest Fight News segment, along with some other news that is of general interest to you. Plus, then we're going to be doing our combat countdown. This week, we'll be looking at the Fight of the Year frontrunners. That's right, we're going to count down our five favorite fights that have happened so far this year. All of that. And I'll be interviewing Sugar Sean O'Malley, who's going to talk about what he's been doing in his time off. And let me tell you something. He's been doing a lot of grappling, and I think it's going to be of much interest to his fans out there. So before we get to any of that, I want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. You're going to get 20% off some high quality grappling gear. And look, if you've been grappling for any amount of time, you know that grappling gear is sort of hit or miss. There's either some really high quality stuff out there. There's some low quality stuff out there. And you usually pay for what you get, right? Like you, you get high quality gear when you pay a lot of money. ADK Fightwear bucks that trend because, look, I've had the same rash guard for them for two years now. It's insane. The same exact rash guard for two years. It looks brand new. It feels brand new. All the stitching looks great. The colors look amazing. And if you go to ADKFightwear.com and use our promo code right now, you can get it for just 20 bucks. And let me tell you something. Nowhere online are you going to find gear that's this good at that price. So make sure you head on over. ADKFightwear.com. They bring you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to UFC Bantamweight Sean O'Malley. So, Sean, uh, recently we saw you competing on Fight to Win Pro, a, a grappling event on Flow Combat. You didn't necessarily get the result you wanted, but how good did it feel to get back to competing? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is a whole other sport that I'm super into right now, so I'm um, putting all my time and focus into Jiu-Jitsu right now, and I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot, so I had a lot of fun. It's uh, um, Like I said, it's a whole other sport, so I'm having a good time. Yeah, and we saw a lot of new pieces out of your grappling, too. And we haven't necessarily seen you grapple in the cage very often recently, you know, early in your career, maybe a little bit. Right. What, what sort of pieces have you been working on that maybe you will implement when you get back in the cage? I've, I've really enjoyed the, the wrestling aspect, the, you know, starting from your feet and going live from there. Um, that's something that I wasn't, I never really focused on too much, but now that, I've been uh, out for a little bit. I've just been just been grappling, starting from the feet, going live, training with um, Tankino, training with a bunch of world champion black belts. So um, I'm I'm improving, improving a ton. Yeah, and I really liked the the you set up a couple of foot sweeps that wound up looking like you were going to get guillotines off of them. Do, do you see a lot of transitions to the MMA game for when you you're back in the cage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, I I got exactly where I wanted to be. I got into that foot sweep position. I got into the front headlock, and then uh, I just tried to take the back too fast. I should have stayed patient, stayed in the front headlock, and that's just from that's just experience. That's just me. That was my first time competing in jujitsu, um, so that's something I I took away from that is just be more patient there, sit in the front headlock position. I enjoyed being in that front headlock position. I got got a lot of submissions from there, um, so I, uh, it was yeah, it was a good it was a good time. 
Awesome. And, and, you know, you just said that, you know, you're putting a lot of your focus into jujitsu right now, obviously because of the uncertainty that, that we can't necessarily talk about right now with what's going on with the UFC and USADA. Are, are you still working on your MMA game too? Like, is it that, you know, like some of the focus still on striking and stuff like that, or are you hundred percent throwing yourself into jujitsu? Right now I'm a hundred percent. Just I'm, I'm trained in jujitsu. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just focused on competing in jujitsu. Hopefully, um, they'll let me fight in December. USADA has already cleared me. Um, the UFC has already cleared me. It's just the athletic commission that's holding me back. Um, so we just got to deal with that, that politics kind of stuff. And then, uh, hopefully get back in there in December. But yeah, I'm just focusing on jujitsu right now. Awesome. And, and now obviously, you know, it, it's been really hard to be out of the cage for 18 months. How have you sort of dealt with it mentally? Cause I, I know that that can be, you know, a huge grind too. Yeah, I've just been training, you know, just training, really just kind of nothing, nothing's changed. The only thing that's different is I don't have a fight coming up, which really sucks because uh, my whole career, I've always had a fight coming up. I've always had something coming up. So that's, that that sucks. But, you know, just being able to train um, and go live and grapple with the guys I'm grappling with, is it, it, good. Absolutely. Now, I've also seen that in your timeout, and this is kind of a, a weird situation, but I see that you consistently get called out on social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. There's like two or three fighters out there seemingly every month calling you out. How weird is that, and, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, I've been called out by, I think, nine or ten people since I've been out. Um, I, I see it all the time. Uh it, it's funny. I get it though. I'm a bigger name than all of them, so that why not call me out? Um, it just it makes sense for them to call me out. And is it is it frustrating at all that they continue to do it while like sort of your hands are tied? No, it's not. I, I get it. I get what they're doing. They don't really have a name for themselves, so they're trying to get one off me. So it's fine. I, I get it. All right. Absolutely. No. I know that you're you're training with with Tank over at uh, Soul Fighters to with Jiu-Jitsu. Um, is there any still working with the lab? Because I know there's been some turnover at the lab as well. Um, no, I I yeah I haven't been to the lab in like a month or so just because I'm 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 literally training Jiu-Jitsu like that was my life. I'm just that's all I'm doing is Jiu-Jitsu. So uh, I've been going to a couple different gyms around Phoenix, just training Jiu-Jitsu, grappling. Um, but no, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the lab here soon. I was going to go actually today, go to sparring, but my knee is a little, a little sore today. So I'm going to, I'm not going to do that, but yeah, I know I'm still at the lab, still training with, with all the, I don't want to burn any bridges. I don't want to, I want to be able to train wherever I'm getting the best training. So I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like if it's the lab, I want to train at the lab. If it's somewhere else, I want to go there and train wherever I can get the best training. That's where I want to go. That makes a lot of sense. And and now I know, like I, you said, you don't want to burn any bridges, but there are a couple of guys who have left the lab. Were they training partners? Did you lose anybody who, who helped you out a ton in training camp? Um, I don't think so. All the guys that left, there's a couple 45ers, but uh, for the most part, we have a solid group of 35ers at the lab. And I think, uh, I don't think any of them have left. Like I said, I haven't been there in a month or so, so I don't, I don't really know who's all left. But I, th- I think there was one 35er that, that left that, that I did train with. But other than that, I think there's still, Six guys, six or seven guys that I consistently train with when I have a fight coming up. So I'm not too worried about going back and not having anyone. All right, so that's certainly awesome. Now I, I want to end this on a happy note because obviously we've talked about some some fairly upsetting things in there too. L- let's say your name is cleared. You said you wanted to fight in December. Hopefully, 
if you get a, the choice to be on that first available card in December, is there a name that you would like to fight of those, you know, maybe nine people who called you out, maybe somebody who didn't call you out? The Bantamweight's seen a lot of turnover since you last fought. Whoever works at the Athletic Commission in Nevada, I want to fight them. <laughs> Just jokes. <laughs> no, no, there's no, no one specific. Everyone that's calling me out, they get to wait the longest. Because I'm out, and they're just jabbing their lips, and they know I can't fight. So whoever's calling me out, they get to wait the longest to fight me. Everyone wants, everyone wants to fight me. I'm 24 years old. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have a, Daniel Cormier is 40 years old, and he's still, you know, still looking good. So I have a lot of time to fight. I'm not too worried about um, getting the, I'll get to each one of them eventually. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it whenever that is. Once again, this was UFC Bantamweight, Sean O'Malley. Sean, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yep, thanks a lot, man. And that interview with Sugar Sean O'Malley is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for your phone that helps you track your progress in whatever martial art you do. It started out as an app just for people who do jujitsu like myself. And, you know, it, it helped me, guide me to make sure that I'm training enough, checking in on what I'm training, how long I'm training, how many roles I'm getting in. It's great for that kind of stuff. But it's now progressed to something that helps boxers, sambo, wrestling, whatever martial art you do, it's going to help you make sure that you're making the progress you want. And it does it really simply. You download the app using whatever app store you do. You set up a profile. And then you just log your training sessions. You can also log fight camps if you're, you're into that. If you're, you can log your weights. You can log competitions. All kinds of stuff like that. And it keeps track of it for you and helps you reach your goals. So make sure you check that out. Maroon Social. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby for you. And joined, as always, by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, what do you think about Sean O'Malley focusing solely on grappling right now? Well, I think it's a very interesting approach from an interesting guy. Uh, being a grappling nerd, I, of course, support it. think it's awesome that he did a fight to win. This is a guy who has two submission wins on his resume, but never really known as a jiu-jitsu guy, as evidenced by the loss and fight to win, uh, competing at Purple Belt. He obviously has room to grow in jiu-jitsu. So the fact that that's what he's focusing on, I think, is cool. It's it's helping a hole in his game. He's working also on takedowns. So that's great. And here's the other side benefit. He's not getting hit in the head. If he's not going to be striking anytime soon, you know, he's protecting the old brain cells. Yeah, I 100% agree. And working with a, a you know, world-class black belt like Augusto Mendez, too, it, it's got to be helping his game, whether, like you said, whether we see the results right away or not. I mean, it's, it's going to help him in jiu-jitsu, and it's going to help him in MMA. All right, Gumby, it is time for us to get to our favorite countdown, or excuse me, favorite countdown, our favorite segment on the show. It's Fastest Fight News. Well, really, it's tied as our favorite segment with Combat Countdown. I can never pick one. It's like choosing between your children. That all being said, let's get to the Fastest Fight News. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free, and I think there's no better place to start then UFC 241, Stipe is the champ again, beating Daniel Cormier via TKO in round four of a, of a fight where he really came back, was losing the first two, maybe even arguably the first three rounds. What did you make of the performance? Uh, you know, I, I actually had the fight a little bit closer than most people did. I, I did give a round to Stipe in those first three. You know, so when he came out tough in round four, even if he doesn't put Cormier away there, it's two to two. But that being said, it is such a masterful game plan change that, like, in the fourth round, whether his coaches said it or not or whether he just realized it on his own, 
to start working the body to open up shots to the head that late while DC is tiring was brilliant. He put on a great performance. He, he pretty much put on the performance I expected from him the first time. It, it's real interesting, but the question I want to ask you is, do you think this is the last time we see DC? Uh, you know, he has a lot of other things going on outside the UFC. Obviously, he's a commentator for the UFC, so I guess that's still within the UFC. Uh, but then he, he does that program with ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's certainly older and, and yada yada. But, you know, I tend to think the answer is no. I think it was a devastating loss. I think we're winding down. I think we maybe only have one to two more left in him. But I think he has another million-dollar payday coming to him in early 2020. Why? You think this is it for him? Uh, yeah, I, I can't see him, you know, having beat Stipe. I can't see him coming back or to, like, fight Stipe again. Because, like, what does he have to prove? They went one-and-one. One. I, I can see him coming back to fight Jones, but I, I guess maybe I, I just don't see him... I don't see him as a threat to John Jones in any way. And maybe they book it because of the money. But for me, like he has, he has nothing to prove. I don't really, I'm maybe I'm the only one who's not jacked up to see Jones Cormier three, but like, I I feel like I already know what's going to happen. Well, I think the loss definitely, eh, I hate to say definitely when it comes to John Jones, because anything's fucking possible. (laughs) But I think the loss puts a nail in the coffin on that trilogy fight. Jones has already won twice, you know, coming off a loss. I don't know that there's a lot of luster there, but I just feel like, you know, Dana White comes calling early 2020. Hey, DC, one more for your boy. Here's a million. I know you have a a couple of kids. We're going to get a DC fight. Um, Stipe, where does he go from here? Who's he who's he uh, defending against first, do you think? I, I kind of like the Naganu rematch. Not that Naganu has changed a ton since the first time they fought, but it, I, I feel like it makes a ton of sense, right? Like, Naganu is has knocked off a couple of people in a row, including Junior Dos Santos. Uh, I just think that he's probably the most deserving. And, you know, whether people get jacked up for the rematch because the first one wasn't there... Uh, I think it's the right fight to make anyway. Uh, Nate Diaz came back, masterful performance against Anthony Pettis. While not being a wrestler, he he did the Anthony Pe- the shutdown Anthony Pettis game plan to a T. He backed him up against the fence. He dirty boxed him. He got in a clinch with him. And then when they were in grappling exchanges, Nate was the superior jiu-jitsu guy by far. Also looked a lot bigger as well, uh, which is interesting, but... W- the the real news, I guess, is that he called out uh, Jorge Masvidal, which is kind of, I, I think, you know, it's a great fight. A lot of people think of Jorge as a modern-day Diaz brother in a lot of ways. Uh, he just goes out there with that I-don't-give-a-fuck style, great striking, uh, not the worst uh, at grappling. You know, he survived having Damian Maia on his back. Uh, and then says what's on his mind. He's a real one, as the kids say. The Diaz brothers, they're real ones. So you have three real ones, which I guess makes a real three. Point being, what do you make of that matchup, and and is it going to happen? I think it is going to happen. If that's what Nate Diaz wants, and look, Nate Diaz, you know, like, rarely calls for a fight that he doesn't actually want, right? So, like, if he wants it, Masvidal looked pumped. He looked like he wanted it. Like, I think the fight also makes a lot of sense, right? Like, Colby is going to fight for the title. 
Jorge Masvidal is like chomping at the bit to be the next title challenger. He's clearly not going to be it. I almost see this fight with with Nate Diaz as a safer fight for him. Not that he didn't just come in and take out Anthony Pettis, but like his other options to fight somebody to to get that title shot or somebody like Tyrone Woodley or you know like something like that. I don't know that that's a safe fight for Jorge Masvidal, whereas I think he's a little bit safer in fighting Nate Diaz. I think it makes sense on like seven or eight counts. Yeah, I mean, the fight would be great. But I, I would hate to see it because it's two personal favorites. Uh, I really, and I repeat, really want one of those two guys to fight Colby Covington just for the lead-up <laughs> to the fight, just for the pro-wrestling-style promos. Um, now, Speaking of exciting fights or fighters, Kyoji Hiraguchi left the UFC in 2016 on a three-fight win streak. Since then, he's gone to Japan, fought for Risen, Bellator actually once. Uh, he is on a 13-fight win streak, but not anymore. This past weekend, the Gooch got knocked out. Very surprising for a fighter who's probably been really the most successful fighter in terms of win-loss record since leaving the UFC, a high-profile guy leaving the UFC. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because, like, I mean, I watched the replay. Like, anybody can get caught. The guy set up his shots really well. It's just kind of disappointing because it seemed like almost you had, like, that cult following of of a fighter over in Asia. It it felt very Pride-esque, right? Everybody was like, could Horiguchi beat Henry Cejudo? Like, let's bring him back and see if he can. And that was kind of disappointing, man. And so it's a bummer for me to see him lose like that. But, you know, like, people get caught. They're going to have a short memory over there. It technically wasn't a title fight, so he's still their champ, which is also a little awkward. All right. I would say it is time for our favorite segment on the show now. Well, type our favorite segment on the show. It's the Combat Countdown. Uh, Gumby, we're in August, but we are going to do something that maybe breaks with tradition. We're going to talk about Fight of the Year frontrunners eight months into the year because there have actually been a shit ton of great fights. We just saw one this past weekend with DC and Stipe. Will that make the list? Actually, the last three fights were really good, but were they good enough to make our list? Well, hold on and let's find out. Gumby, before we get to the list, tell us, does any company bring us said combat countdown? Absolutely. This combat countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with that mouth guard up in your mouth. It is truly a feat of science. They've got small perforations in the mouth guard to make sure that the air flows in with your teeth not flowing out. Head on over there. Check out all that they've got. You can use our promo code TOPTURTLE15 for 15% off all your mouth guard purchases. All right. We typically start with some honorable mentions, but I'm so excited to talk about this fight. We'll start right at number five. Uh, we'll mention our honorable mentions a little bit later on. Let's start with this one because it's so rare that you talk about uh, a contest that was really like a grappling match that took place under UFC rules, but it was back and forth. Sub attempts were flying. God, as a grappling nerd, do I love this match. We're starting off our list at Fight of the Year Frontrunners with Mitchell Moffat, UFC on ESPN6. What a fight it was. Yeah, it's a crazy fight for me, too, because, like, I went into that fight thinking Bobby Moffat is such a superior grappler, right? Like, that's the way I thought of it. And he did land five takedowns in that fight, 
but also clearly lost, right? Like, at the end of the fight, I wasn't, like, second-guessing that Bryce Mitchell won. I was pretty sure Bryce Mitchell won, but it was a fun back-and-forth attempt of submissions, passing, positioning, and very little strikes. I mean, if you go back and look, there were 26 strikes thrown in the whole fight. When in UFC history has there been a fight of the night with so few strikes? I'm sure there hasn't, but, like, it was probably the grappling nerds number one, the rest of these fights, your uh, you striking lovers will love much more. Uh, yeah, and that kind of sums up our number four fight to T. You have two all-time greats uh, in a really fun uh, striking exchange back and forth. Uh, Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone, UFC 238, number four. Yeah, I think we probably would have ranked this one even higher should we have gotten the third round that I think we were robbed of by Donald Cerrone blowing his nose, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, like, it was exactly what you would expect from two of the biggest fan favorites in the history of the UFC going toe-to-toe and just loving throwing punches at each other's faces. And you're getting two guys, two fan favorites, two, uh, let's face it, the future Hall of Famers, I would have to think. I mean, even if Ferguson doesn't win a title shot, or doesn't win that title, which he deserves and hopefully will get his chance to win, uh, just the amount of wins and top-level talent he's beaten, uh, it was just awesome to see those two guys link it up. Now, these next two guys, you know, I don't know one has a chance to maybe become a Hall of Famer. You never know. The other one, I can probably safely say, won't be a Hall of Famer, but God darn, is he a fun fighter and a fan favorite. Vicente Luke taking on Brian Barberena at UFC on ESPN1 was a great fight. Uh, It was an insane fight, and I think a lot of people completely forget about this one because you're right, it didn't have the name value, and we might even rank it higher if it did have more name value, but if you look at the number of significant strikes thrown in this fight, there were 596 significant strikes thrown in this fight, and there were over 320 of them were landed, which is just freaking insane. So it was not only high volume, but it was high accuracy with the striking too. Both guys knocked the other one down. We get a knockout with six seconds left with a knee to the head. It was absolutely one of the most insane back and forth fights lived up to fight of the night. And if we didn't have these last two fights, I mean like in another year, Luke Barberina is a front runner, like number one front runner for fight of the night. Well, there were some great fights this past weekend, but we only picked one to our top five, uh, and it's a very deserving choice of that. Our number two fight here for fight of the year front runner, we just saw it a few days ago, uh, Costa Romero, UFC 241. Yeah, Paulo Boracina Costa versus uh, UL Romero lived up to the hype. We wanted to see two muscle heads throw at each other. Anybody who bet the under was actually crazy, because I can't believe this went the full full amount of time. For those of you who saying Yoel Romero was robbed, you're wrong. Paulo Boricina won this clearly. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. getting to see both of them tag each other, right? Like, we got to see both guys wobbly. Also, I love in it, too, at one point in time, it looks like Boricina is going to back up Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero points outside of the cage. He completely bites on it, and he throws a bunch and hits him. There was so much entertainment value in that moment alone, but plus the back and forth of just watching two guys who are stronger than anybody you're going to see for a 185ers in there. It was such a good fight. That was, you know, like you said, one of three on that fight card. 
before we get to number one, let's at least mention an honorable mention or two that were right there but didn't make the cut, but our fans can hit us up on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA and haze us if they feel like these honorable mentions should have been on the top five. Let's hear an honorable mention or two. Uh, I loved Cowboy Cerrone versus L.A. Quinta. I thought that was a really fun fight. Once again, it, it was a lot like Ferguson versus Cerrone in that we saw two guys who liked to strike, just not quite as much as Ferguson Cerrone. Um, I also really loved Justin Gaethje versus Edson Barboza, even though it didn't you know, go as long as it possibly could have. I think that had all the potential of a, being like one of those crazy back-and-forth slobber knockers. But, you know, as any Justin Gaethje fight is. But uh, he just finished it a little bit too fast. So that one stays off of our list, too. All right. Let's rewind here. Number five was Mitchell Moffat, UFC on ESPN 6. Number four, Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone, UFC 238. Number three, Luke Barbarena, UFC on ESPN 1. Number two, Costa Romero, just a few days ago at UFC 241. And number one, with a bullet, clearing away the front runner, one of the greatest fights I have ever seen UFC 236, Ida Gastelum. Yeah, I think Ida Gastelum has so many things going for it, too, because, it, like, there were narratives there, right? Gastelum missing out on the title shot he truly believed. Israel Ida being the person who is coming up, and it seems like the UFC is completely behind. Like, th- there were so many storylines like that. And then we just see Calvin Gastelum prove that that dude can take more punishment than just about any UFC fighter on the the roster. I think he's got one of the most underrated chins. And he stung Idesanya's face to the point where Idesanya was swelling on his face. He looked all deformed and stuff like that. The last minute of that fight is one of the most insane things I've ever watched. If you have not watched that fight and you happen to have ESPN+, Plus, go back and watch it because it's so incredible. All right, Gumby, that's our list. We're sticking to it. Again, hit us up on the Twitter, at MMA if you love the list. If you hated the list, we're accepting both love and hate feedback. Gumby, I think that about wraps it up. Why don't you do a little uh, house cleaning and uh, take us home here? And that is going to do it with another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for listening. We also want to thank our sponsor, Sheath Underwear. Sheath Underwear, changing the underwear game. Make sure to use promo code FLOW, F-L-O, for 20% off underwear that is completely different than anything you've ever worked out in before. We also want to thank our other three sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and Maroon Social. Make sure you download the Maroon Social app. I want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We could not do what we do without them. And we want to remind you to check out Twitter. We gave away an autograph picture from a UFC fighter this past week using our very famous mystery fighter contest. We got all kinds of other cool contests coming up for autograph gear. So make sure you tune in at top turtle MMA. Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He's shockwave Dave Tremonti and we will see you next week.